Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Shares in Tokyo dropped nearly 2% in early trade this morning as SoftBank and fast retailing have come under selling pressure. At last look, the Nikkei was trading off 1.7%. Seoul and Sydney are in the red as well, though not as much. Both markets are down about half a percent. Some good news in Sydney, though. The latest economic figures show a 4.9% jump in retail sales last month. Asia-Pacific markets will be trading today without direction from the U.S. The U.S. markets will close overnight for the Thanksgiving holiday and will only open for a half session this evening. Joining me now as we break down all the market action in minutes for you. Happy Friday, Ryan Huang. Happy Black Friday, Michelle. <laughs> Important distinction. Has the shopping begun on your end? It's already begun since last month, 11-11. You know, the shopping never <laughs> stops. <laughs> All right. I can feel the excitement at Lisa on my end of things. Maybe by the end of today, I will have my instant pot. Let's hope. Maybe. All right. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs> Let's start this morning on the Singapore Exchange with the first new real estate investment trust listing of the year. Daiwa House Logistics Trust begins trading today. The public portion of its IPO is more than nine times oversubscribed. Interest in the REIT amongst institutional investors appears to be strong as well. That portion of the placement is nearly five times subscribed. So Ryan, why do you think demand for Daiwa Logistics is so strong? Well, it looks like there is an appetite for REITs. And like you pointed out, it is the first one this year um, to be listed the first REIT in Singapore. Mm. Compared to last year, we had two. So maybe we are seeing appetite coming back for IPOs, uh, for REITs specifically as well. And if you look at Daiwa, it does have a good story there. It's got 14 Japanese properties and it will be a play in the e-commerce space. So modern logistics warehouses and facilities. So that's the big thing. These days, when you think about the supply chain issues that have been cropping up, Black Friday, all the shopping sales going on. So it's in a sweet spot for growth. Daiwa House Logistics is using the proceeds from the IPO to fund the purchase of 14 logistics properties, all of which are in Japan. Its tenants include companies like Nippon Express, Santori Logistics, and the Tokyo-listed food wholesaler Mitsubishi Shohukin. Now, analysts expect Daiwa House Logistics to pay investors a yield of 6.5% next year. Trading in its shares begins at 2 p.m. this afternoon. Now, Ryan, most IPOs start trading at the opening bell. Why is this one only beginning during the afternoon session? Yeah, it's a bit of a quirk in terms of the structure of REITs. So in summary, a lot of paperwork for REITs to be listed. So there's a transfer of assets and whatnot. So that typically takes place in the morning from the office opening times, 9 a.m. onwards. So the followings are done, the paperwork is done. And then by lunchtime, everything is sorted out. Then the REIT is formed and then it gets listed. So that's in short what happens when a REIT gets listed versus a traditional company where the company already exists. So there is hmm. that paperwork involved behind the scenes. Interesting. I never knew that. Now, in other corporate news, two local F&B companies have just reported their earnings. One is doing well, the other is not. Now, one of these companies is a standard fixture really in many hawker centers the other operates restaurants across the island so which do you think is up or down you think about that all right here are the names of the two companies in question kim lee and jumbo 
So, Ryan, tell us which set of company executives, Kim Lee or Jumbo, are likely smiling this morning and which are not? Yeah, I think you should have a good guess as well. So, the last time I was at a coffee shop was yesterday. The last time I was at a seafood restaurant was two years ago. Oh my so that's goodness! A reflection of how much their fortunes have been contrasting in recent times, right? You the haven't ordered shops. in seafood. Well, you haven't needed your crab really. fix. It's it's a place of special occasions for me where I bring my tourist friends, you know, right. celebrate birthdays. Mm-mm. So in that type of context it's constrained because you can't have social gatherings and in a way many people are also tightening their belts and this time you know, cutting back on celebrations uh, not just for budget but also because of the restrictions so that kind of limits the business that Jumbo can do and conversely the coffee shops are where people are heading to these days you know, where you are seeing people working from home the suburban crowd just going to coffee shops for their daily meals. So that is where Kim Lee is you know, raking it in, so to speak. And you do have um, those um, JSS or support schemes also helping the likes of Kim Lee to mm. just offset some of those expenses. Of course, Jumbo also sees some of that coming through as well. So that's the kind of um, dynamics at play here between the two FMB operators. All right, let's move on now to Beijing, where commuters should soon be able to take robo-taxis. Right? what do you think about that? How do you feel about getting into a taxi sans driver? I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. But if the price is right, I will take it. So it looks like Baidu is one step closer to just putting more robot taxis on the roads because they managed to get it okay in Beijing to start charging fees. So I think it's just a matter of time before you see more of these robo-taxis ferrying people around. So hopefully in Singapore soon. You could not pay me to get into a self-driving taxi. Why not? Uh, Because I value my life. That's why not. Uh... (laughs) 67 taxis, meanwhile, uh, will be rolled out in Beijing for this. Good luck over there. For now, a human safety officer has to ride in the taxi soon, but really it may not be long before Beijing commuters can take fully autonomous driverless vehicles. Fill us in on the company behind this. So we are looking at um, Baidu, of course, leading the charge when it comes to the autonomous driving um, taxi vehicles. So... They are going to be one to watch because it's a bit like how they are monopolizing the search engine business in China. Mm -hmm. So now they are venturing into this space. So it's going to be interesting to see how they are going to synergize in that sense. So the company here under Baidu is called Apollo. So that is the name for the unit that runs the robo-taxi business. And so far, it looks like they have around 67 self-driving cars. Um, in terms of pricing, we don't have any exact details. But for now, it's free. So maybe that could get people on board. Yeah, in terms of pricing, I suppose we expect a big dip from what people are used to be paying. Because according to a Credit Suisse report, 60% of user payments in ride-sharing goes to the cost for a human driver. So... Shares of Baidu have been underselling pressure of late. They are now they're down nearly ten percent this month and really off thirty percent since the beginning of the year. We have a few more companies to look at this morning, and for this, let's turn to a stalwart of the game. Uh, it's called Up or Down. Are you ready, Ryan? 
Let's go, Michelle. Let's start with the Chinese property developer Kaisa. Okay, this is going to be a down for me. And this is where they are trying to extend the maturity on their bonds. So this is around 95% of a $400 million bond. So it's going to be expiring sometime in December, the early part of December, December 7th. So what they want to do is extend it by around one and a half years to June 2023. So right now it commands a 6.5% coupon rate and it's going to stay the same, but they just want to, I guess, kick the can down the road and extend their cash flow for a while more. So this will be interesting to see how much of it will be taken up by bondholders. If not enough is being accepted, it might mean... Kaiser will have to default on these bonds. And you know what happened. You know, the jitters will come back again and everyone starts thinking twice about investing mm-hmm. in property mm-hmm. and the repercussions for the wider economy will start to have doubts cast over it again. For now, up for me as well, Kaiser shares popped 20% after the developer released its debt restructuring plan. Uh, next up, let's look at Tencent, Ryan. Okay, Tencent... Um, I'm going to say down. Mm. And this is because it's gotten into the headlines because Chinese regulators want Tencent to get approval before publishing any new apps and updates. So it's a bit constrained in that sense. So it's not business as usual. So of course, they will have to toe the line to get anything done. So I'm not sure how much of a dent that will be, but it's not going to be easy working with someone looking over your shoulder. Yeah, Chinese regulators say they want to review all new Tencent apps before they are released to the public. So, degree of uncertainty injected there for Tencent. Down for me. The Singapore-listed mainland China developer next. Let's look at Yanlord. Okay, this is an app for me. So, Yanlord has sold all units in a pre-sale of its Shanghai residential uh, project at around $1.09 billion. So... This is around 299 high-rise residential apartments uh, at Yangpu District. And they were sold out in five hours. I'm still picking up my jaw off the floor for that one. So yeah, what a pre-sale, hey? What a sellout. And this for a new residential property in Shanghai. Uh, Yen Lord grossing more than $1 billion from sales. Let's look at Top Glove and other Malaysian glove makers, Ryan. Okay, this is a down for me and that's because UOB Kahan is seeing further downside risks to these Malaysian glove makers and it is maintaining its underweight call. Um, it's seeing some uh, factors at play here. Average selling prices of these gloves are normalizing. You might remember mm-hmm. in years before, there was just such a huge demand for these items. And prices just went up. And now we've got more people making gloves. So more supply and prices are going down. And in a way, that will mean those spectacular growth rates from before will not be there anymore. And to a certain extent, a lot of people were buying glove stocks. So now I think you might see some people taking profit to move elsewhere. 
Not great news for Top Glove. Its earnings have come in below expectations and analysts like those at UOBK here and say they see further downside risks in the sector. Next up this morning, a couple of macro issues that we should take a look at. The first is related to COVID-19. South Africa has identified a new variant and that has led the UK to temporarily ban flights from South Africa and five of its neighbours. Ryan, scientists have said that the new variant represents, quote, a big jump in evolution. What do we know about it? Yeah, I'm seeing some reports calling it the worst ever COVID variant. So this really raises eyebrows because we've just come out of what we thought would be the worst. You know, the pandemic is you know starting to ease up in many places. Restrictions are being eased. And now you here have a new COVID variant. Of course, the previous one, the latest one we've been talking about is Delta. What we have right now is a variant called B11529. It doesn't have a Greek letter assigned to it yet, so you might get that soon. Uh, you've got a WHO meeting up today in a special meeting to discuss what this means in terms of uh, implications for treatments and vaccines. So what we know about it so far is um, it's highly um, mutated in the form of how there are more um, spike protein mutations, around 30. That's double what the Delta variant had. So this means it might make it harder for the current vaccines to address the um, this new variant. And these new variants have been identified in places like South Africa, Hong Kong, Botswana, about 50 confirmed cases. And the reaction so far from some um, countries have been coming through in the form of um, suspensions of air travel to many of these African countries. So we are looking at South Africa, Namibia, Lesotho, Botswana, Eswatini and Zimbabwe in focus. So that is in UK, the UK banning flights for now from these places. So this could mean a bit of a, uh, some jitters going back into these sectors again. The hospitality and travel sector could see some turbulence until we get more clarity around these, um, this variant. Yeah, so a South African scientist saying that this variant has an unusual constellation of mutations, so 30 on the spike protein and about 10 on a protein receptor, the ACE2 receptor. And uh, this is the protein that creates the doorway for coronaviruses to enter and infect human cells. So in comparison, the beta variant had three mutations on this uh, receptor protein. The delta variant has two and this new variant has 10 mutations. All right. In related news, Health Minister Ong Kang says Singapore should be able to avoid the worst impacts of another COVID-19 wave, such as the one affecting Europe now. Speaking with Bloomberg News, Ong credits Singapore's high vaccination rate and growing natural immunity. Ryan, the next macro topic on our list this morning is interest rates. Now, we usually look to the Fed for guidance, but here in Asia, the Bank of Korea has made a move. What's the latest? Yeah, it's been widely expected that they would raise rates and that's what they did, raising it from 0.75% to 1%. So all in the name of fighting rising prices and inflation. 
So what to expect is going to be interesting as well because they have hinted of more hikes to come. That was in line with his raised inflation outlook to 2.3% for this year and 2% for next year. So it's seeing inflation continuing to stick around. So it might be due for another rate hike. And this follows in the footsteps of New Zealand, which also had a rate hike earlier this week. And we've been talking about tightening by central banks. So FOMC, of course, may be due for a quicker pace of tapering when they meet next month for the FOMC meeting. So we are looking at the inflation complex coming in to just uh, pressure central banks to do a bit more. Now, one last story before we check in on markets. The world's biggest IKEA has opened. In case you didn't think our IKEAs are large enough, we're talking about 700,000 square feet IKEA store. So a question for listeners here. Where do you think the Swedish furniture giant has opened the store? I'll give you a hint. Okay, maybe two. First up, it's here in Asia. And second, it's in a country where shopping and heading to shopping malls is definitely a national pastime. All right, so where is the world's biggest IKEA located? Tell us, right? Okay, so it might come as a surprise to you, but it is the Philippines. Mm. So finally, they have an IKEA. So this is the world's largest, and it is the size of around 150 basketball courts. So just to give you an idea to visualize, that is how big it is. Bigger than the ones we have here in uh, Alexandra and Tampanese. So... It is something to soak in. And for their launch event, you know how famous they are for their Swedish meatballs. Mm -mm. So it's a bit of a twist there. They serve it with a coconut adobo sauce. Looks delicious. um, Tastes. But yeah, it does sound like something I might give a go. Maybe to bring it here one day. Hey, I'm always up for meatballs. But can you imagine the route that you have to walk through? from entrance to <laughs> it's going to be a workout for those meatballs if you get lost <laughs> for sure let's turn to Singapore now we are 23 minutes into the local trading day the Straits Times Index finished marginally lower yesterday 32.31 luxury watch retailers the Hourglass and Cortina Holdings bucked the trend though the Hourglass jumped 9% Cortina closed up 6% Ryan how's the STI trading this morning yeah pretty much in line to the rest of the region so it is looking at a drop of 0.9% right now, 3,191. So this is off the back of a two-day losing streak already. So if it stays this way, it will be number three. And looking at where we are for the STI, only one counter in the green, and that's Capital DC REIT up by 0.4%. And right now, Jadi Matheson Holdings right at the bottom, 2.5% down. Yang Zhejiang down 2.2%, Genting down 1.8%, SIA down 1.5%, um, DBS, UOB are both lower by 1%. So it is really coming through with those jitters around the new COVID-19 variant hitting um, pretty much across the board, especially hospitality and travel. And a piece of news worth tracking is what's happening with the SPH bid between Capital and Cascadian Peak. So there was an extract filing this morning with an with a note to explain a few things. And this is around the eight-week restriction clause. So Cascade and Peak has come up to say um, this clause will not hold 
in the case of a situation where capital or rather SPH shareholders vote down the capital scheme on December the 8th. So that's something they wanted to clarify. The restrictions will not hold if shareholders vote against the capital scheme. So something to take note of as you figure out which is the better deal. All right. Thank you very much, Ryan. Have a great weekend ahead. Asian stocks looking set for a mixed start at the end of this week in which uh, we see Treasury yields and the dollar jumping amid bets on faster Federal Reserve policy tightening as the pandemic recovery stokes inflation. Meanwhile, we keep an eye out on that dramatically different COVID-19 variant identified in Africa. More details coming up in our news update. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.